Blog Talk Radio. You're on the Giants beat on ScoutWithFoxSports.com. Welcome to the Giants Beat Podcast. This is David Aiken here. I'm here with Aaron York as well. How's it going, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We are pleased to welcome, for the first portion of our show, fantasy guru, senior writer, and serious XM fantasy football host, Matt Camp. How are you doing, Matt? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on today. Of course. We're really pleased to have you on the show. Uh, let's start with some fantasy stuff. That's what you do. Uh, Giants, the um, Eli Manning has been really the big discussion with him. Uh he was, season was at a crossroads, kind of felt last year, had a, had a great first season in Ben McAdoo's offense. Giants fans really feel like this could be the best season he's had, uh, statistically speaking, uh, of his career. Uh, what do you make of his fantasy value, Matt? You know, it took some time for him to get going in that offense, I think, as we all expected. But once he did, and, of course, when Odell Beckham Jr. got to the lineup uh, after that first month of the season, things really took off. If you don't talk for turnovers – Eli was the number 10 quarterback in fantasy points for game last season. I put him right around there for this year uh, just because there's so much talent in front of him at the quarterback position. But that's not a bad thing. As you said, had a bit of a crossroads last year and, and came through in a big way when it was all said and done. Eli has had fantasy value in the past, but uh, coming into last year, a lot of people, including myself, were very down on him and learning a new offense. You know, that that's going to put a learning curve in front of him. And, and, of course, you know, a young group around him. Well, now they have that down. He has a superstar in Odell Beckham Jr. You know, we'll see where Victor Cruz is going to be at. It looks like he's going in the right direction in terms of being ready for week number one. I've always said that Eli Manning is a quarterback, and, and there's not a lot of these guys out there that makes the team around him, especially the receiving core, better. Hell, we saw that with Larry Dindell last year, who came out of nowhere to be a reliable fantasy tight end for some time. So uh, I feel pretty good about Eli. We have him at uh, number 11 at fantasyguru.com in our early quarterback projections. Obviously, a lot of things can change between now and the start of the season, but uh, I think this is a guy that could easily get to the top 10, and if you're going to wait on your quarterback in your drafts, which I highly recommend doing, Eli's a guy that uh, I'd love to zero in on and get in the later rounds. Yeah, a lot of Manning's value depends on how Odell Beckham Jr. performs after his just unbelievable rookie season, over 1,300 yards. He had 12 touchdowns in just 12 games. I know a lot of Giants fans are going to be tempted to take him in the first round, maybe the end of the first round. But where do you see him being a good value for fans who want to add Odell Beckham to their team this fall? Uh, I don't think value is a word I would use when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. because he is coming off such an unbelievable season after missing the four games. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get him out of value. I mean, to me, if he falls to the middle of the second round, which I highly doubt will happen, uh, I think that's where his true value would come in because I, I believe he's going to go off the board as one of the top five, if not one of the top three receivers to fantasy football, which is well-deserved after what he did last season. And, and as we know, guys, missed all the preseason, missed the first month of the year, and learning that new offense, he stepped right in. And from a talent standpoint, he just blew everybody away. Now, you wonder now that teams – have some tape on him, and he's coming into year two, or are they going to be better prepared for him? I know a lot of it came because the team wasn't that good. 
the defense had fault to them and the offense was on the field a lot, so there was plenty of opportunities and volume there for Beckham. But uh, I think he can be right there again because he is a special talent. They did take him in the first round for reason, as you guys know. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to get worried about any Madden curse or anything like that. That's ridiculous to throw any analysis into that kind of stuff. But, you know, I do wonder if maybe teams will be a little bit more hip to him and to be a little more prepared for him. But I think if you have Cruz back on the field, even if he's not all the way at 100% uh, from what he used to be, those two on the field, that's a matchup nightmare. So I'm still thinking that Beckham can be a top-five receiver, but I do wonder if he's going to get a little overdrafted in year number two. Yeah, it was Beckham and Manning, really, that stole the show and overshadowed what was a pretty poor running game overall for the Giants, um, both in terms of on the ground and really getting that receiving production from the backfield that Ben McAdoo looks for in that offense. They did pick up Shane Green. A lot of Giants fans are excited about that. What do you make about his fit with the Giants? Uh, that's one of my favorite signings of the offseason from a fantasy standpoint. As we know, in New England, it is tough to get a handle on how they're going to use their running backs on a weekly basis. The Bellatrix, as I like to call them, the distant cousin of the Shanahanigans, where you just never knew what running back was going to touch the ball in a given week. Drove us nuts for fantasy. Happened with Vereen last year, but I think he comes to a spot here with the Giants where he's got a pretty specific role. you got a couple of guys who you know can run the football between the tackles in Williams and Jennings. That's easy. you got that car battery ready. And I think you bring Vereen in here, it takes a little bit off of Jennings' play. We know Williams is not a guy that's going to catch the football. That's not what he does. And that's okay. You have a role. That's the NFL we're in now. You have guys in these backfields playing specific roles. And, yeah, it's made fantasy tougher and splintered that running back group in terms of getting those top-end guys. But from a fantasy standpoint, if you're playing in PPR leagues, point per reception leagues, I think Shane Vereen is going to be a really nice player for you. I think you look at him coming into this year as probably a number three flex guy, but there will be weeks where he performs at a number two running back level. I mean, I think you're hoping that he's in the area of four to five catches each and every week, and I think he's certainly capable of doing so. I think the Giants brought him in for a specific reason. I think Tom Coughlin, who has been known to be a little shaky when it comes to younger players, he's got a trusted veteran here that he knows can do his job. He did it well when called upon in New England. I think he'll be more active and more consistent here with the Giants. Okay, Matt, let's go around the NFL a little bit. We just got done with the 2015 NFL draft. Which rookies do you see as the best fantasy options in 2015 if we were drafting right now there were three wide receivers taken before running back got even taken but these the running backs we got taken todd Gurley with the rams uh melvin gordon with the chargers could get a ton of touches right off the bat so who would you go with if you were drafting a rookie today yeah, if you're just looking for 2015 here, I think going down the road it'd be girly if you're in keeper or dynasty leagues. But for 2015, I think I'd go with Gordon just because he has the most carved-out role. If you know what he's bringing to the table, you know the Chargers need a guy like that to be the three-down back, to be the guy that leads the way. Now, I know Danny Woodhead will be working there as well, but Gordon has the clearest path to a big role right off the bat. Now, you can talk about that with T.J. Elvin and some of these other running backs here, but I think it's all about Gordon. I like Todd Gurley a lot from a talent standpoint. Number one, no doubt, if you think that way, but he's coming back from the injury. We've seen Jeff Fisher and the Rams working rookie running backs slowly and guys that were healthy going back to Zach Stacy um, and Trey Mason last season. And speaking of Mason, he's still there. I think torpedoes his fantasy value bringing Gurley in here, but I think you have two of those guys there that, 
will probably work together for the first month or two of the season. So that's why I can't put Gurley number one. I think Gordon is just the easiest guy here. It's never easy predicting running backs, and you hope he picks up the offense and the pass protection. But I think he's got the clearest path to be the man right away in San Diego. All right, great stuff, Matt. We'll ask you one more question. We'll send you on your way. Uh, every year, there's there's players that are overdrafted, there's they're underdrafted. A player like Justin Forsett last year that was really productive, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, got some older, great quarterbacks for the last 10, 15 years, but getting older, like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Uh, who in your mind can be uh, some of the biggest busts this year and also uh, best value picks? I'll tell you what, guys. You mentioned Drew Brees, and I just think with the changes that we've seen this offseason, shipping Jimmy Graham away, shipping Kenny Stills away, um, bringing back Mark Ingram, signing C.J. Spiller, they don't have a lot in the receiving core. I love Brandon Cooks, but he is not a number one guy that is going to dominate and be a matchup nightmare like your prototypical number one big-time guys on the outside. And Marcus Colston certainly at the end of his career. So, you know, the volume that Drew Brees has had in the past in the passing game, and part of that's also because they didn't have a very good defense, I think that starts to go away starting this year. And Brees has been a perennial top five guy for fantasy for pretty much every season he's been with the Saints. I think he comes back this year. I still think he'd be a top ten quarterback, but I am not as high on Drew Brees and just the automatic kind of nature he gave you fantasy points. Uh, I don't think it's going to be there for you this year. Now, from a value standpoint, in terms of going back to the rookies, I like Nelson Aguilar in Philadelphia because I think he fits a role right away, and they clearly need him. Riley Cooper's not the answer. Miles Austin might not even make the team. Uh, we haven't seen enough from Zach Ertz. This is a volume offense, and it has produced all kinds of fantasy-relevant players three at the quarterback position, going from Vic to Foles uh, to even Mark Sanchez last year. I think Bradford's the best of that group, and I think now Nelson Aguilar steps in right away and plays a pretty important role for him. So I like him as a value for going down the quarterback uh, list. I like Teddy Bridgewater to take a step forward, uh, go from maybe a guy that you filled in here and there last year in the second half of the season when he played quite well to a guy that could be a low-end starter by the time the year's over. My favorite quarterback, though, whether you're going to get it as a value, and it's going to take a big step up this year is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think he's got top five potential. We're going to have him at number eight on our FantasyGrew.com quarterback projections that are going to come out next week. Um, I think he's got some upside here, plenty of weapons around him. He has gone forward every single year. Uh, I'm not saying he's in that Andrew Luck category ever going to get there, but I think he could be a guy that puts up the same kind of numbers as Matt Ryan, if not better, because Tannehill has that bonus of his athletic ability that gets him yardage with his legs. So he's a quarterback I really like, and I think you'll be able to get him in a pretty good value. That's some really interesting stuff there, the uh, the quarterback kind of coming on the decline a little bit, Drew Brees, and maybe two really stepping up uh, in Bridgewater and Tannehill to replace him. Listen, Matt, it's been great. Thank you for coming on the show. Once again, it's Fantasy Guru, senior writer, and serious XM Fantasy Football host, Matt Camp. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right, well, Aaron, you're a little more fantasy-inclined than I am. Uh, what did you think about what Matt said in terms of uh, – we'll start with Shane Vereen. Uh, he seemed really high on Shane Vereen, and a lot of Giants fans are. We've spoken uh, quite highly of him. Uh, Matt, in particular, talked about his – he said maybe five, six receptions a game, which would be excellent both with the Giants' beat and for fantasy value as well. Uh, do you think he could be more for the Giants than just the receiving back, which is something that Tom Coughlin has alluded to previously? 
It all depends on how healthy Rashad Jennings is because he was still really effective when he was on the field for the Giants. I think Coughlin, because of how old school he is, still wants a bell cow-type player. So I would really want to look at training camp and look at the preseason, which with most fantasy drafts you're going to get to see those things, to see how the Giants handle the running back situation. I'm not as high in Vereen as a lot of other people. Rashad Jennings can still catch the ball to the backfield. So if Vereen's not starting, I don't know if he's going to get five receptions per game, but if it's possible if they play him on every third down. I just don't know what the situation is. Right now they are paying him a decent amount of money, but I've fallen into that trap before. I remember when uh, the Giants let Derek Ward go and he got picked up by the Buccaneers, I thought he was going to be a, a good fantasy player because, hey, he's going to start after all they're paying him all that money, and he turned out to be a huge bust for me. So you really have to look at the performance once these guys get on the field to see how they're being used. I'm not in love with Green right now. We know he can run in between the tackles, although New England wasn't using him that way. That doesn't mean... If that doesn't mean anything as far as the Giants are concerned, maybe they'll hand him the ball more. Maybe they'll just use him on third down. I'm not really sure yet. So I'm going to be cautious with him. Yeah, it's hard to say just because, um, as Matt had mentioned before, just how how much uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots go for running backs like that. You wonder why he's not doing it uh, or hadn't had did it with the Patriots. hasn't really shown the ability to do that. Uh, even really going back to college, he was he was mainly a receiver in college as well uh, with the Bears, Golden Bears of California. Um, but when you look at what the Patriots have, they they kind of just have specialists for everything, really. Um, I mean, why would you run Shane Green, uh, you know, 25, 30 times a game when you can call upon uh, previously Stephen Ridley, you have a Legarrette Blount, uh, and even a Jonas Gray as well. So it's really just about finding the right the right uh, skill set and just trying to make it work for you. Um, but I think even even if he just really continues to do what he's been doing and showed he's been doing on it over his career, I think the Giants have a a have filled the, filled a need on their offense and a player they could really use uh, in terms of picking up more chunk plays as well. I mean, Odell Beckham was really uh, the home run hitter, and that was it. There really wasn't one in the backfield, uh, whether it was running or catching. So I think Shane Green uh, definitely helps out with that. Um, but it doesn't really matter who's in the backfield unless the offensive line. Uh, see some vast improvement. So let's talk about draft, the draft coverage. We haven't really done much of it um, since the draft happened. Uh, we both, in our, in our preview of the draft, we both liked an offensive lineman. Uh, you picked Sheriff, who actually it was probably the draft went fifth overall to uh, to the Redskins. I liked Andrews Pete, who ended up going to the Saints a few picks later. Um, but the Giants didn't get a tackle, and they got a big one as well, Eric Flowers out of Miami. Uh, what were your general impressions of that first round? Just the Giants pick or the first round in general? Uh, well, just uh, the, the Giants pick and kind of relative to the value. And were you surprised to see Sheriff go so high and the team in the division twice a year? Yeah, it definitely was surprising to see Sheriff go before the Giants had a chance to pick him, although we knew that had a chance of happening. I didn't need to go fifth overall to Washington, but uh, – it's just that not that many people were so high on him, so I figured he'd 
he'd drop a little bit and the Giants would have a chance to grab him. There are some people who still think he's not a tackle in the NFL. So the Washington scouts obviously felt differently. They have, with the fifth pick, you figure they think he has a chance to be a franchise left or right tackle for years to come. So um, we'll see how that works out as far as the Giants are concerned. Almost everyone had Pete as the second-best tackle or even the first-best tackle in the draft, so to see them select Flowers instead was a pretty big surprise, and you ha- we have to see how it plays out. Obviously, what the Giants scouts saw was different than what some of the prognosticators in the media felt was the best tackle out there, so it'll be interesting to see how Flowers pans out because the Giants went against the general uh, perception that Pete was the next best tackle, and they went out on a little bit of a limb for Flowers. So it's going to be fun to see over the years if uh, how how uh, right they were on 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 their instinct there. Yeah, and uh, though I liked Pete a little better, just because I felt he was a more natural fit uh, at left tackle down the line. Um, but the Giants did need right away, I felt, was a player to come in and play right tackle. Um, and even if Flowers is that just for the next 10 years uh, and Pugh can successfully slide in uh, to right guard, which seems to be on the cards, uh, even no matter what. I think Ben McAdoo said a few days ago that for now Pugh's staying at right tackle um, and perhaps Flowers might get a shot at left tackle behind Didi, uh, who should be on watch a little bit. He's making a lot of money, and I think the Giants would like to see more out of what he's, uh, what he's given uh, since that big deal. But um, I was pretty satisfied with the pick. And, uh, I mean, it was a need pick, but I think the need and value was matched all right. I think perception of the draft was really, after those first five or six picks, the value dropped off. And, and really, what what's the difference in the value between, you know, the ninth pick and even, say, the, the 20th pick, where Flowers was kind of in that range. Um, so it is a logical fit. And it's a really classic Giants pick. You see on the defensive line how, Players like uh, Pierre Paul, Yumanura, Tuck, and Strahan over the years, even players like Linval Joseph, even less successful picks like Marvin Austin, all kind of fit that mold of God only makes so many big, strong, fast guys like this. Flowers seems to fit that mold as well. So I think you, you see there's there's definite high potential there. Um, so I'm pretty satisfied with what the Giants did, and I think that's, that's really – one of the boxes they had to tick if they want to potentially compete this year is really solidify that offensive line. And I think this, uh, taking the, the tackle uh, first was definitely the way to do that. Um, but we also talked in our, in our pre-draft show about safety and the, the massive hole that was there. And we mentioned Landon Collins, who the Giants ended up moving up for the first pick in the second round as a possibility, a, a no-brainer really, if he fell to the Giants in the second round. Um, but definitely too high to take at nine. Um, I think we can. I can speak for you even in saying that it was a pleasant surprise and that the Giants really got a great player. Uh, how do you feel about that pick? Yeah, I agree. It was a really pleasant surprise. He was a guy who we saw slipping a little bit in the mock drafts prior to the draft. So to see them slip into the second round, obviously the Giants felt he wasn't going to slip much farther. And we talked about how there was a drop-off in safety after those first two guys and that if you didn't get one of them, you were going to have to settle for someone like the Giants' fifth-round pick, McKelly Thompson, who wasn't really 
supposed to get even drafted. He might have gone undrafted if the Giants didn't pick him in the fifth round. So that kind of shows you what kind of drop-off there was. So trading up to get Collins, at least until we see him hit the field, seems like a good gamble to take. I thought it was a great play by the Giants for a guy who looks like a first-rounder after the college season, might have slipped a bit, but I think the Giants made a really good move. What, do you, what about you? Yeah, I think it's, it's the perfect fit to move up. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's anyone, if you're watching live when the draft happened and you saw the Giants moved up to 33, I don't think there was any doubt who they were going for. The fit just made uh, too much sense. And the hole at safety was really – it was obvious. It was evident. It was – there was uh, just Napper, he, and uh, Cooper Taylor were really the extent of what was on Giants roster. I believe uh, Stevie Brown signed with the Texans right before the draft. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but I think that's how it went down. So the, the options were even more limited in terms of bringing back, you know, one of those uh, low-key veterans um, if, if something didn't work out during the draft. So they really had to make a move. I think Collins is paused. He's ready to play right away. Um, I think it's a perfect fit in that in that way. Uh, the Giants struggled with covering tight ends uh, last year. Um, still have to face Jason Witten in the division uh, versus improving uh, in, uh, in Philadelphia as well. Um, so you definitely want to want to shore up that position, and just a great overall football player, and probably a player that can replace, if not right away, uh, over the next two years, Antro Roll's leadership and presence in the locker room as well. So I was a big fan of that. Uh, let's talk about their third round pick, which which seemed really good value, uh, getting UCLA's. Uh, hopefully, I can pronounce this right. Oh, Wamabe Odigizua, the defensive lineman uh, from the Bruins of UCLA. What did you make of this pick? Because it sounded like, looking back at some mock drafts, he was projected as maybe a second-round pick, maybe even a player the Giants would have taken in round two, if if not for uh, Landon Collins. Yeah, this seems like a t- uh, pick that's pretty typical for the Giants in, in the, the recent era under Jerry Reese, really athletic pass rusher that might be a little raw, but they can mold him into something. Uh, Demontre Moore was a guy who they found value with two years ago, and he fell to the third round despite some off-the-field issues. Jason Pierre-Paul is considered a major project when the Giants drafted him. So to get Odigua at this point is, yeah, it seems like a good Giants strategy. You get the... Athletic pass rusher, we know Spagnolo from 2007 to 2008, he thrived with a bunch of athletic pass rushers, putting them all together on third down. So this is a spot where since Tuck left and Human Mura left, the Giants haven't been as rich as they've been in recent years. So to see them restock the cupboard in that particular area was not surprising. And uh, like you said, good value for them there and just – that's one of their core competencies in recent years is these pass rushers that can really put uh, fear into the opposing offensive line. Yeah, and the Giants really seem to be getting on the right track with that again um, after uh, losing Justin Tuck and Yuma um from those great defensive lines and then Jason Pierre-Paul kind of struggling to, to take the, the mantle as the main guy. Um, but now it seems like you bring him back. You didn't commit to him long-term as of yet, um, but he, he gave you great production down the stretch last year. See if he can match that. 
Um, if he can, he's absolutely a, a franchise end. He can play both the run and uh, go after the uh, quarterback. You have a player like Jonathan Hankins, who's been great just two years into the league. He's looking like a franchise defensive tackle. Um, and maybe Javon, Demontre Moore had a nice uh, few, uh, few games towards the end of the year when he got more opportunity as well. Um, and then Robert Ayers is still on the roster. Um, he, he suffered an injury. We'll see how he recovers from that. I believe it was a, I believe it was a bicep injury. I'm not 100% sure, but he is recovering. Um, and if the Giants just have him for one more year, he could be another spark as well. We really like adding another defensive lineman. Maybe he doesn't perform right away like Moore or even Jason Pierre-Paul, but you think long-term, worst comes to worst, and Jason Pierre-Paul is not a giant after this season. You have a player like Moore and you have a player like Odigizua who can essentially fill in and uh, pick up right where he left off um, if he if he does struggle and the Giants don't decide to, re- to resign him. And then you have players like George Selvey, who's a decent depth end, and you have a player who I really like uh, coming in as a uh, two-down run stuffer, Kendrick Ellis, on, on good value. Uh, so I really like what the Giants have done with the defensive line. And as, as you mentioned, it's been one of their core competencies through all of their success. And it, it feels like they're on the right path as well. Um, let's talk about the day three moves. Obviously, you can't really get too upset or too excited with these because they're really just crapshoots no matter who you take. Uh, you can read through some stuff online and see who one or two guys, one or two draft experts like uh, higher than usual and kind of form opinions on that. But it's really – it's still such a, a high bust rate when you're talking about players late in the draft. Obviously, the Giants didn't have a fourth-round pick. That was part of the move-up to grab Landon Collins. I don't think anyone's complaining about that. Um, but you look at round five, uh, Mikhail Thompson, a safety – Really didn't play much for, for Texas in terms of making a major impact as a defensive starter. Um, you have a receiver, Jeremy Davis, and you also have Bobby Hart, a guard. Um, are you overwhelmed, underwhelmed, or, or just kind of whatever in, in terms of what the Giants did on, on day three? Yeah, it's uh, whatever. There's nothing that really stands out. These are three positions that the Giants need depth in. I think the, the Mikel Thompson pick really shows you what the Giants think they have in uh, in Nat Berge and Cooper Taylor, two guys who they picked around that spot in in the in the past couple of drafts, uh, not developing, I guess, as well as the Giants would have hoped. Although when you when you pick guys outside the first three rounds, you kind of get what you pay for most of the time. So uh, certainly the Giants feel like they have to rebuild that position. So they added a second safety. Uh, maybe someone that they could have gotten as an undrafted free agent, but I guess they like him a little more than everyone else, and maybe they were just a little desperate to add to that safety position. Um, And then Jeremy Davis, uh, probably going to try to make an impact on the special teams this year. The Giants do need some depth issues at wide receiver. I think we saw a little more Preston Parker than we needed to last year, and certainly with Bruce. Uh, still coming back from injury, you could see why they felt the need to add some talent. They did add Dwayne Harris, Harris as a free agent, but he's also supposed to be more of a special team star, so makes sense to add add someone at that position without starting to dig through the undrafted free agent pool. And then Bobby Hart. I don't know much about Bobby Hart, but you can never have enough offensive linemen. He obviously comes from a really deep program at Florida State, so we'll see. Hopefully he can make the team and outperform some of the, the veteran offensive linemen that the Giants have brought in, but 
Uh, like I said, it's good to have competition at that position, especially after last year where the Giants really struggled in the offensive line. Yeah, I think really a, a theme for this day three, just it just felt like special teams players. Um, Michael Thompson played special teams at Texas. He had a great pro day. Um, could be a player that maybe the special teams coach like and said, uh, let's target him, let's go after him. Um, same with Jeremy Davis as well. Um, in terms of round seven, whenever you, I mean, if you if a player makes the team, it's it's gravy really. You weren't you don't really expect a, a seventh round pick to come in make an impact. If you get a player that's a backup for a, a contract's worth of time, uh, maybe even contributes on special teams, helps out, and you've done yourself well getting getting that for a seventh round pick. So I'm not too beat up about that. Um, it's just interesting that Mikhail Thompson was just so highly rated, or not highly, excuse me, uh, lowly rated by, by so many people. Uh, you try to find information on, on him online. Just so many uh, sources don't even have profiles for him, really. Um, but as a disclaimer, I, I remember when the Raiders took Mike Mitchell in round two, I think it was 2009, and everyone was blown away by that. A lot of people said he, he should have just went undrafted. And funny enough, you know, four or five years later, the Steelers uh, signed him to a five-year, $25 million contract after he has a great one year with the Carolina Panthers. So you can't always assume that a player uh, who doesn't seem to offer much in college is going to do that uh, in, the NFL, in the NFL as well. I mean, you can even look at uh, Matt Castle as well, who I don't think he started one game at USC and is now at least an average quarterback in the NFL um, and has done some good things in the past. So overall, I mean, the first – uh, three rounds for, the, for of this draft for the Giants, I think they did as well as they could have. I think you should be really satisfied with what they did if you're a Giants fan. Um, the rounds five, six, seven, I mean, if you get some contributors on special teams, I think you've, you've done yourself well. Um, but I think you really just have to focus on what they did on those first two rounds and say uh, they did a great job and they might have at least uh, two two contributors right away. You would, you'd expect both uh, Flowers and Collins to start and uh, Diggy Zuwat to maybe be in the rotation as well. Uh, so now that we have everything, we have the draft done and dusted, we have free agency completed, most of the big moves in terms of player acquisition that are going to happen have happened. How do you feel overall what the Giants have done this offseason, and do you think it's it's good enough to get them to where they want to be, and that's back uh, into the postseason? Yeah, how will the Giants perform this year is going to be a lot – it's going to have a lot to do with how all these pieces fit together. We've seen they have some really topping off the talent in Odell Beckham Jr. We saw Eli Manning can still perform at a high level last year. I think that was the biggest takeaway from last year, even though they didn't finish all that well. They only won six games. So we'll see how, how these new pieces in the offensive line, Jeff Schwartz, can he stay healthy? That would be like adding a huge acquisition that they thought they were getting last year. And if it all fits together, you can definitely see the pieces. They have some versatility at running back. They have top-end talent at wide receiver. Uh, They have the quarterback who we've seen get it all done before now. We just need if we can mold that all together with an offensive line, you can see the Giants doing some things. Also, the the defense has to get better. You have to get better. If Pierre Paul can put together another great season. Um, And they have some – they have a little more depth at the uh, in the secondary than we saw at the end of last year, but we these safeties are still a bit of a question mark. Landon Collins is talented as, as he is, and as much as we like him, he's still just a rookie. 
the linebacking core is still devoid of of lots of uh, star power and top end talent. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of pressure on the pass rush to get it done for the Giants and the cornerback who uh, we, who they need to stay healthy again. So there's certainly potential. I think they can be a playoff team if they stay healthy and if the offensive line gels together. Yeah, I think those are definitely the keys. Um, the Giants suffered so many injuries last year. Um, and, I mean, that could just as well happen again this year. But you expect some regression to the mean to some extent in terms of that. Um, and some of those players will feel like um, like new signings almost. You mentioned Jeff Schwartz, who is probably the biggest offensive signing of last year. And he, I don't think he played more than two games. It was until um, midway through the season. I believe it was the second Cowboys game, uh, the Sunday night game, that, that he finally played. Um, he could really be a huge piece in the offensive line and really help bring everything together. Um, and you look at, you know, the the Giants put so much into the corner position last year. Obviously, they don't have Walter Thurmond anymore. Rodgers Camardi is still such a great uh, great talent, though. If they're healthy, you know, that should be a strength when it really wasn't last year uh, by the time the halfway point of the season rolled around and the Giants it had lost to Okamore to injury. Um, I, I believe it was uh, Cromartie, even when he was healthy, was the only starter remaining not on IR of the top four on the depth chart. So health is definitely a key. I do like what they did on the defensive line. Um, in terms of what they did in free agency, I was kind of underwhelmed by some parts of it in terms of the linebacker core. A lot was invested in that. I really don't know what Dwayne Harris is going to give you long-term in terms of receiving options, if, that, if that's what they think they're going to get from him. Um, but I really do like Shane Green. I like that addition. I think he adds something new to the offense and it's a huge help for Eli Manning uh, in the passing game. Um, I do like the signing of Kendrick Ellis. And the draft, I think they had to nail to have a to have potential to make the playoffs, and I think they did that in the first three rounds. I think you can feel really good about the two first two picks and then what Odigi Zua could become eventually, um, perhaps not right away, but as, as a player down the line. Um, so I don't know if the Giants are the favorites in the NFC East. I mean, I definitely wouldn't say that. Uh, I, I definitely think there's potential there. I think Eli Manning um, had, really has the pieces to have uh, the best season he, statistically he has had. Um, statistically or otherwise, he was great last year, as good as he could have been. Um, and you'd hope that Victor Cruz can come uh, be more healthy, uh, have an impact. Odo Beckham. I don't think he's going to be slowed down. I think uh, by the second half of the year, I think teams are trying to take him away. Uh, Richard Sherman was on him in the Seattle game. He was seeing double teams in other games. I think he was just playing out of his mind and, and was very difficult to stop. The only thing is if the, you just got to hope that success doesn't go to his head and he continues to work as hard as he was before when he was just trying to get on the field. Um, but I do, th- I do think the Cowboys are still the best team in the NFC East and the Eagles are, are st- such a wild card. And I think you'll see a better a better Washington team, if not in a playoff competitor outright. But I do think the Giants have the pieces to to, uh, to do it, to make the playoffs if they do stay healthy, as you mentioned, and if they do get that production from the offensive line. Um, when you look at the NFC East, do you think it's the Eagles? Do you think it's the Cowboys? Could it even be the Redskins? Could it be the Giants? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I think that division could be up for grabs, although you have to consider Dallas a favorite. Um, the past has shown that losing a 
big-time running back like DeMarco Murray doesn't have as big an impact as maybe the public would have you believe. Certainly, they still have the offensive line that led to them having such a great season. They still have Des Bryant and Tony Romo. And just like the Giants, they're going to be bouncing back from a lot of injuries they had on defense that slowed them down from being an even better team. So I'm still pretty high on the Cowboys as being a team, the team to beat in this division. And I'm eager to see how Chip Kelly, how all his moves fit together. So I think the Giants could win the division if everything breaks right, but um, we also might see them competing for the wild wild card. And um, But, yeah, after a couple injury-riddled seasons, you just want to see this team be healthy and have enough guys on the field to be able to compete with the Eagles and the Cowboys, who kind of overpowered the Giants last year. They were 0-4 against those teams, so... I think they have a chance to set the tone opening night, and I hope they get that accomplished. But I'm not ready to say that the Giants should, are able to just go out and take this division when there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, I think that sums it up well. Uh, you have to look at who the Giants are competing with. Um, the Eagles are such a wild card. Really, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Brad plays a single game and is, is done again for the rest of the year by the, by the preseason or if he has the best year he's had in his career and that, and people are hailing Chip Kelly a genius. I would not be surprised if either happened. Um, they're just such a wild card in terms of what they've been doing, pretty much revamping both sides of the ball really um, after being 10 and six. So they could be, you know, they can make the playoffs. They it could backfire and you wonder if Chip Kelly could even lose his job if that happens. It's really fascinating what's going on in Philadelphia. The Cowboys, even being able, being able to get Lyle Collins, put him on the offensive line, um, probably at one of the guard spots and maybe right tackle long-term. Uh, that's, the icing on the cake for them, really, um, in terms of if you losing DeMarco Murray is going to hurt. But, I mean, if the offensive line is that good, it really doesn't matter who's running behind it. Um, but we'll see if Darren McFadden is the guy. We'll see if he's uh, if he still has some left in the tank or even if it matters if he does, if the line is just that good. Um, but I think I think you're right. It's, it's really just the health uh, of the Giants. It's been a few injury-riddled seasons, as you mentioned, and um, – if they're healthier, I think they do stand a shot. They have a quarterback. They have, he has weapons. They've improved both lines. I think they do have a shot. Um, that should wrap it up, though. Uh, once again, thanks to Matt Camp, who, who joined us from Fantasy Guru um, and Sirius XM Fantasy Football, the host, um, providing us some great insight on the fantasy football. Uh, you'll hear from us probably closer to when the season starts unless we can get some special guests on as we preview training camp and what have you. Um, So once again, this is David Aiken with Aaron York. Thank you all for listening, and enjoy your day.